Hello, welcome to another Use of Force. This week for our museum walks of NYC, we have an incident that took place in 2015. Jesse's going to read the Use of Force report now. On Saturday, April 25th, 2015, at approximately 1,337 hours, an individual known to the department was wanted in regard to an I-card investigation involving a robbery. Two detectives assigned to the 26th Precinct Detective Squad arrived at 538 East 6th Street, the East Village Halfway House, with the intention of arresting the subject. Detectives arrived at the location and with the assistance of a civilian security guard proceeded to the subject's room. The East Village Halfway House offers shelter to ex-prisoners diagnosed with mental disorders. The civilian security guard gained access to the apartment and as the detectives entered, they observed the subject fleeing out of the window and down the rear fire escape. The detectives pursued via the inside stairwell and confronted the subject in the rear courtyard of the building. A violent struggle ensued between the detectives and the wanted subject, which lasted a minimum of three minutes and 30 seconds. Video surveillance captured a portion of the physical altercation. One round was discharged by one of the involved detectives, striking the individual in his chest and ultimately resulting in his demise. No weapons were recovered on scene. Both detectives were removed to the hospital to treat significant lacerations to their heads as well as other bodily injuries. One detective was admitted for observation. Subject toxicology yielded no presence of narcotics or alcohol. Right. So there's a lot of different stuff with this particular instance, starting with the discrepancy between the initial reporting and the ultimate facts that were revealed. Yeah. So, well, first of all, the person that we're talking about this week is named David Felix. He was 24 years old when he was killed in this incident. And yes, like you said, Mike, even his name was a discrepancy in facts um, between the initial reporting and post follow-up. Mm -hmm. David Felix was originally reported as being named Felix David, which not only was just a misnaming, but it also contributed to making it difficult to track down his family. It made it difficult to have people that did know him find out about this and it, it confused a lot of the media and sort of allowed for the police to tell their story for a significant period of time before things got sorted out. Yeah. The other things here that don't quite line up, um, there is some discrepancy between all the different reporting on exactly where this happened. Some reporting says it happened in the stairwell. The use of force report that I just read said it happened in the rear courtyard. And some other reporting says that it happened in the interior entrance. So it's a little bit, that's unclear. And there's definitely a lot to be filled out, at the very least, in this use of force reporting. So I think one 
main thing here is that the detectives did not have a warrant. They had just a piece of paper with David Felix's picture on it, which is known as a rap sheet, right. but is not an arrest warrant. And they presented that to the staff member. It's unclear if they actually said it was a warrant, but they presented it as a document that would allow them entry. Right. And then proceeded to go up to his apartment while the security guard was still trying to call and ask if this was okay. Yeah. Yeah, and that... Apparently, there was only this one person working at that particular time, too. So they that was also something that probably made it difficult for that person to know what to do because they were watching the desk, but they were also being told by the police that they needed to bring them upstairs and help them get into this client's room. And I read one thing that was an was an interview with a homeless youth advocate talking just in general, you know, in relation to this incident, but saying that in general, the staff at these types of facilities are really in a complicated bind because they need to interact with the police on occasion and they often need the help from police and so when the police are being invasive and demanding something that isn't good for the client the staff is stuck between you know they want to protect their the people that they're there to protect but they sometimes need the police so I guess what he was trying to say was that they need to keep this relationship with the police. And because the NYPD in particular is does work that way, mm-hmm. which isn't, I don't think, the way they should work. But they they need to sort of keep them happy so that they'll still come and help when the staff needs their help. Right. So, yeah, it it seems like there was this person that was working at at this location was really in a tough position here. The other thing that's missing from the use of force report is why I, or de- the other thing that's missing from the use of force report is the details about the violent struggle. So it just says a violent struggle ensued between the detectives and the wanted subject, which lasted a minimum of three minutes and 30 seconds. In the reporting, it show- it says that David, after being confronted from by the police downstairs, wherever it was that happened, he did get a hold of one of their radios and was hitting them with it 
Now, a lot of the reporting that came out right away really painted this picture like as if David was this criminal who they they shared multiple times when he had been arrested before. They took a quote from another police officer who I don't believe was on the scene saying that being hit with a police radio is essentially like being hit with a brick. Mm -hmm. Although later reporting actually shares the weight of the police radio and shares the weight of a brick and a brick is five times the weight and it's made of concrete not plastic so while that might be an analogy that might be an emotional analogy it's not really accurate as far as if we're trying to understand truly what that would feel like or what position the police were put in right um the other thing that isn't talked about in the report is other than I guess they it does explain what the building is it says that the East Village halfway house offers shelter to ex-prisoners diagnosed with mental disorders which I guess sort of alludes to the fact that these detectives knew that they were dealing with someone that would be categorized as a person with a mental disorder so from most understanding this should have been classified as an emotionally disturbed person which would require all the things we've you know we've talked about this many times before keeping a zone of safety not trying to apprehend the person until a certain emotional disturbed person's unit arrives and following all sorts of protocol that just wasn't followed at all here. Yeah. Yeah, the article that was immediately written in the New York Times quotes one of the officers saying, you know, do we need to have an EDP unit every time we need to do our jobs, which it would seem to me, sure, why not? Sure, maybe that is what is needed, but also in this case, they didn't need to rush in there. There was no reason to rush in there, in my opinion. They, ultimately, the reason that these detectives were there is because they were following up on a stolen handbag case where someone had stolen a handbag and had punched someone in the face. So there was some violence involved, but it wasn't something that required immediate apprehension of this person especially because they knew where he was they knew he was in his room they could have i imagine just stood outside and waited and if he had tried to you know if he had sort of caught on that they were there and tried to escape or something then they would have dealt with that as it came but they could have just waited downstairs not alerted david felix that they were there waited till the appropriate people were there to deal with the situation, and then gone up. Right. Well, from the reporting, both the initial and the follow-up reporting, it sounds like he fled down a fire escape into a courtyard that had no exit. Right. So that's even another opportunity at that point to just wait 
or try and call for uh, appropriate backup. Right, right. Even you're saying even once they had made the decision to go upstairs and alert them that they were there, even right. after he ran down the fire escape, they could have just recollected themselves and waited. Possibly, yeah. Yeah. But at that point, it becomes uh, the adrenaline of the the cops and robbers chase. Right. Probably further uh, muddies things, which also is why a question of why you would not use a taser or pepper spray and instead use lethal force. Right. Well, I think, yeah, I think that's a big question in this one, especially because of the distance between the the people, like they were very close to each other when this was all happening. So they easily could have used another non-lethal use of force. They could have, even if it needed to be a firearm, they could have, you know, shot him somewhere that wouldn't have killed him. But this was a shot to the chest from a close range, which a limited understanding that I have seems purposeful. Mm -hmm. The two officers that were involved in this incident are named Harold Carter and Vincenti or Vincenta Matias. And they both stopped working two and three years later, respectively. And it took quite some time, uh, like I mentioned earlier, for the family to be notified, the family of David Felix. They were living in Haiti and hadn't been in touch with their son for almost 10 years. They had come all together as a family from Haiti to Miami and David had stayed with some family there before running away. And so he was classified as a runaway in when he was 15 years old. And all of that, along with what we mentioned earlier, the reporting on this being unclear, made it difficult to contact the family, but they finally did. And the family was able to come to New York and they visited the apartment where David had been living and where he was killed. They held funeral services for him and they met a number of the people that he was friendly with in New York. They, those people were both people that were associated with the different housing locations that he had been living, also people associated with the local church that he went to. And they were able to learn about the life of their son, what he had been doing during the time that they hadn't been in touch. And ultimately, there is a case filed against the city and against the officers that is still pending from that time. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, again, this is always the case, and I think it's obvious, but I still always feel like I want to say this, but the, especially when it's specifically mentioned, but um, David's father 
met, said that, you know, no money obviously would bring back their son. And this isn't, even if they're, you know, awarded some, some, that's not, it's not the ultimate goal, but they do want justice and they do want to have people understand that this wasn't appropriate. Mm-hmm. So the last thing that I'd like to talk about in relation to this incident is the location where this all happened. In the use of force report, it's referred to as the East Village Halfway House. In most of the reporting, it's referred to as the bridge. And the bridge is a location that was founded in 1954 by former long-term residents of a psychiatric hospital. They returned to the community, found that there were no programs to support them, and created a self-help collective to offer social support to other adults that were suffering from serious mental illnesses like themselves. And at this point, it is a $65 million agency providing housing and behavioral health services to 3,500 New Yorkers each year across the Bronx, Brooklyn, and Manhattan. So just to give some context on what that location is, it sounds like, just from the description, something that is positive and probably needs to be supported in in a way. Um, It's unfortunate that this event happened at that location and it sounds like these types of systems that are in place as important as they are it does sound like they need some help and the it's part I think it's just part of the larger system and these sorts of locations I feel like are not often discussed and I certainly didn't know anything about this place until learning about this incident so it's something that I think we could look into a bit more and and learn a bit more about because I do think it's very related to the general topic of police involvement in communities just because so many of these incidents do involve people that are suffering from some sort of mental illness. Right. Yeah, I mean, they are a big component into trying to figure out how to make this situation better. Yeah. By appropriately funding and having an awareness within the city community of how important their function is and how they should be supported and not um, you know deprioritized when things are difficult right okay well that's it for this week as always if you have any further information on this particular use of force or have an interest in discussing it further please contact us. Thanks for listening as always. Until next time, take care. Bye. Bye.